I'm Tom Karen, and on this episode of Nesson's My Story Podcast, the captain, Jason Veritek, walks us through his extraordinary baseball journey from the Little League World Series all the way to the Major League World Series. You have to do your job, you gotta get in between. He's throwing a no-hitter in Boston tonight! Be a part of four. And they're all so abstractly different. Year after year, something happens. The Red Sox in 14 innings beat the Yankees 5-4. It's years of heartache. It's years of losing to your big brother. For the first time in 86 years, the Red Sox have won baseball world championship. Can you believe it? Selfless. Hardworking. Veritek dives. Fearless. What a catch! Those are the words that come to mind when you think of Jason Veritek. He was the backbone of the franchise, the only catcher in Major League history to catch four no hitters from four different pitchers. Swing and a miss! No hitter! Over 15 seasons, he helped transform the Red Sox winning two World Series with a team that had waited 86 years for a curse to be lifted. I would say it's more than a championship. It's more ingrained you got into history, the heavier it was. And there's been year after year something happened, what it meant to Red Sox Nation. Veritek's stoic work ethic and quiet resolve first took shape when he was young, playing sports with his brothers in the Midwest. Born in Michigan, having met your brother, hockey players, how did having brothers start you on a road to playing? <laughs> a lot. That's all we did. Uh, yeah, like we said, my older brother was a really good hockey player. Then we moved to Orlando, and, and there's no ice. You know, the, the ice was probably 10 by 12, w- one place that didn't last very long. But the rest of us, you know, it's how we spend our summers. It's how we spend our time. If it was Justin, myself, or him, Porch baseball, we tore the porch apart. I mean, the place was a mess. Were you all competitive? Like in everything? Were you, was there competition in the house all the time? Yes, it, it kind of different stages. My two younger ones most competitive with each other. Me, you know, I'd always play against them, but the field wasn't always equal. So that's actually how I learned how to hit left-handed, because I hit, hit right-handed against them, then it was no fun. That's when you became a switch hitter. I mean, that's, that's ultimately how you... Yeah. So one of my Little League coaches, Jay Williams, he encouraged me, like, you need to hit left-handed. And uh, it went from there. But you could see right away he was a leader, like when he helped his team make it to the 1984 Little League World Series. Jason Veritek, shortstop. It was uh, an unbelievable ride to get there in the first place. Unbelievable coaching staff that taught fundamentals to 12-year-olds, and we were a very good fundamental team. Hi, baby. We made it to the finals and lost to Seoul, South Korea, but that avenue, or that, that time period, there was only one game on national television. That was the final game on ABC. Now the kids are round one. Round one on the regionals, two weeks before that, their, their game's on ESPN3, you know. It's like you're signing autographs at 12 years old and you can barely sign your name. A decade later, another World Series, this time in college. 
Tech joining Nomar Garciaparra and a star-studded team at Georgia Tech. What was the college experience like for you? Uh, phenomenal. You know, you're off on your own. You're in a bigger city. I'm just enough far away from home that it takes a long time to get there. But if I needed to, I could get there in a, you know, in a day. The attention that we had from our academics at, at Georgia Tech was beyond doubt instrumental in pushing work at the end to balance a very tough class schedule along with, along with playing baseball. Nomar remembers Tech's drive in college. He'd go into the weight room and work out in between, in between classes or he'd, you know, working on his catching or he'd go work on his hitting and he would do different things because he had to keep because he was working after hours. Even the coach is like, I'm not going to be there for you. You know, you're, you're crazy. In baseball, you know, we were really good and good for a long time. Started, you know, they had programs that, was, that had traditionally been really good and finally put ourselves in the latter half and a chance to go to the World Series. Danny Hall was Tech's head coach at Georgia Tech. No question, he was the, uh, the best catcher to ever play at Georgia Tech and one of the best hitters to ever play at Georgia Tech. And uh, that team, the 94 team that he played on, that he was the captain with Nomar and Jay Payton and Brad Rigby, all first rounders, and uh, uh, put Georgia Tech on the map. Georgia Tech was here and they were going to be there forever. In 1994, Veritech was drafted 14th overall by the Seattle Mariners. And on July 31st, 1997, Seattle traded Veritech and Derek Lowe to the Red Sox for closer Heathcliff Slocum. It would become one of the best trades in Red Sox history. Right after the game, just minutes before the trading deadline, the Red Sox sent Slocum to Seattle in exchange for two fine prospects, catcher Jason Veritech and pitcher Derek Lowe. And Derek comes prancing through the locker room, hey, we just got traded. You know, Derek, I've known for so long already, and it was like, yeah, right, buddy. And then all of a sudden, my manager, uh, Dave Myers, goes, come here. He's like, yeah, you two both got, because I didn't believe Derek. He's like, you got traded, and it was like, oh, wow. Like, this was, you went for, you've been on that severe roller coaster, everything's done. Now, you're like, oh, wow, I've got to go somewhere new. We're going to get a chance to see Veritech. Tech was called up that September, playing just one game. But that was enough for a career milestone. Where were you when you get your first major league call-up? I didn't even think I had time to get a hold of my family. It just took a little time. And oh, it was eye-opening, like, oh, wow, this is, this is really happening. Well, here he is in a 9-2 Red Sox lead. When I went in was in Detroit, which was great for me because I have all the family in Detroit and probably had 100 people there. And gets his first major league hit with a base hit to left field. And that souvenir will be in his locker after the ball game. You still have the ball? You still have? Absolutely. And I have the, the ball they get, that, that Saberhagen gave me as a joke, which I didn't know at the moment, was like complete chicken scratch on it, a little ketchup, little little stuff. So I figured I kept them both. <laughs> you didn't know at first when he gave you that? You no, I was like, geez, somebody could, someone with a little better penmanship could have taken care of this. The throw. In his first full season as a big leaguer, he split catching duties with Scott Hatterberg. Such an enjoyment and fun for me back behind a plate that I kind of forgot about hitting. By 1999, the legend of Tech began to take shape. He hit 20 homers in 144 games. And drives it out of the yard, a home run for Jason Burrett there. 
helping the Red Sox return to the playoffs. And the Red Sox will advance to the postseason. With young Veritek behind the plate, the Sox staged a rousing comeback against Cleveland. The Cleveland series is very instrumental in us as an organization that has helped the building blocks to get ourselves to win a championship. That was one of, once again, as we came back and, you know, all led by Jimmy Williams of don't let them let us win one game. And then we're in trouble. We've, we find a way to win two games. Now we're going to be without Pedro. We already have Saber Hagen, who's did everything possible to get himself on that mound and, and perform. And you know, Pedro's hurt. He hurt himself the start before. And so it was, how are we going to do this without our ace? You know, it's his day. It, he's slated to come back, and we can't. And kept the game close enough. And when I didn't even know he went down to the bullpen to warm up, and then all of a sudden Pedro comes in, at a total different guy that he has ever pitched. Uh, pitched backwards, used his cutter. Pitched. Everybody's waiting for 95, 96. And he only saw it once instead of three or four times in the at bat. And. A very tough lineup and not an easy lineup for him to pitch, pitch to over time, and he dominated. The Sox would eventually fall to the division rival Yankees in the ALCS, as that rivalry remained one-sided. It continued in 2003. Veritek, a calming presence in the midst of a cowboy-up season. It was hard for me to get him to laugh, even though I, I kept it loose. Everybody else picked it up. But Jason, Jason was busy. That finished with a wild card celebration and a chance to rewrite the history books. And it's on to the postseason for the first time since 99. Down 2-0 in a best of five with the A's, the Sox staged another memorable comeback. With Veritek leading the way at the plate. That set up another epic showdown with the Yankees. A series that ended on a chilly October night in the Bronx. Put ourselves in a situation to play in game seven. Grady Little leaves Pedro in. We were pressing that envelope. Pedro had a good outing. There was never any doubt that that was the right thing to do, and Grady did the right thing. And unfortunately for Grady, he always has to wear that. But we tied. We still had a chance. We had a chance. I think I let off with a base hit. I end up, they have a pinch run for me. You know, we have we have a leadoff runner on with Mariano on the mound. The games keep going extra innings, and then unfortunately, Aaron runs into one. Swinging a long drive to left, and uh, we lose by one. Gone a home run. The New York Yankees have won the pennant. All of a sudden, be the one that throws a pitch that's part of the game, and it be a changer. The hands of fate have dealt New England baseball fan another very cruel and unbelievable ending. After years of disappointment, the 2004 Red Sox had had enough. We're going to keep fighting the fight, and we're not backing down. We'll keep going. Frustration reached a boiling point on July 24th in one of Veritek's defining moments. We're getting pounded. Bronson doesn't pitch in well and hits him. And he starts yelling at Bronson. And you have to do your job. you got to get in between and it starts yelling at me. 
the Red Sox stood up to the Yankees. You gotta do what you gotta do. Someone you don't wanna mess with. You know, it was probably a turning point in the season as far as, um, you know, getting us back on track. As always, Veritek wanted to deflect attention to another moment that day. But the part that turns things around is Bill Miller's hit. We finally were able to turn the page and beat Mariano. They don't hold the ace of spades anymore. We can now stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. Suddenly, Red Sox Nation had a newfound belief that the tides had turned. What's the feeling in this team? The mood of the team down on too. We're okay. Um, and we know our backs to the wall, but um, and we, we haven't played our best, best games yet. A belief that would be put to the ultimate test in October. Boston faced sure elimination, down 3-0. After all, no team had ever rallied from such a deficit in Major League history. But the 2004 Red Sox didn't care about history. You're down 3 nothing to them in, in, in October, and you know, Johnny calls you idiots. I know they call themselves idiots. They're smart enough to know if we lose, we go home. You guys still believed if you won a game, you were going to be able to pull this off. Was there ever even a wavering of that confidence in yourself and the team? We weren't performing well. That was the good thing. We were not pitching well, which is one of the most important parts for me, is if we can do that and leave ourselves a chance, you know, win a game, and. We had a big push to just focus pitch to pitch. And that was the only way we could collectively get through that. The Red Sox tie it in the bottom of the ninth. We find a way to win that one. 2-1 pitch. Swing and a drive. Keep to right. Way back. And this ball is gone. And the Red Sox live to play again. The Red Sox do indeed live to fight and play another day. And now the tides start to change. We win again. A little flare, center field. The ball falls for a hit. Here comes Johnny Damon with the winning run. And David Ortiz has done it again. The momentum's completely shifted. We pitched well. We couldn't always stand with New York pitching-wise. And we were getting to that point. And then you add Kurt. Swing and a miss. He struck him out on a splitter. Schilling, two more innings to go. And Falk to solidify things. Swing and a miss. He threw a fastball by him. Game seven coming up tonight. A year later, they're back to where they were before. Seventh game and a chance. And talk about redemption. He's home for the Red Our biggest moment was that we were able to win one game. Win that first game. That was the biggest moment for us. Still got to win the World Series. Right. Were you part of sort of the process of getting everybody focused back, or, or did it just happen organically? I think I, I think I, I, I couldn't take credit, but it just happened organically. That you didn't have to worry about each other of turning a page and keep going. You didn't have time to celebrate in a moment. You have a day off and start right back up again. So well, everybody turned the page pretty quickly on their own. The one old pitch. Here it is. Swing and a ground ball stabbed by Folk. He has it. He underhands the first, and the Boston Red Sox are the world champions. For the first time in 86 years, the Red Sox have won baseball's world championship. Can you believe it? Nobody believed you guys at one point down 3 nothing. the Yankees. Here you are, a world champion, man. Uh, I doubt our fans ever not believed in us. 
because they want this as much as we have. I'm just happy that the people in New England can now sleep at night. At what point did it hit you that this is, I don't want to say it's more than a championship because a championship is an amazing thing, but what it meant to the people of New England? I would say it's more than a championship. It's years of heartache. It's years of losing to your big brother. It's years of, the longer you play there, the bigger the piano on your back got. The more ingrained you got into history, the heavier it was. And there's been year after year something happened. What it meant to Red Sox Nation and you know the collective fan base and what it meant and the years and the history of it. A little bit of a surprise here today. I don't think Jason knows about this. We're gonna formalize that role uh, for Jason. Make you the team captain. After that 2004 season, the Red Sox named Tech captain following in the footsteps of Yaz and Rice. Tech wore the letter C to another title in 2007. The pitch. Swing and a miss. It's over. The Red Sox have swept the Colorado Rockies. To win a second one. What did that mean? I mean, you won the epic. You won the 04. You won the, the championship of a lifetime. Now you've won another. What did that mean to you? What did that mean to you? meant a tremendous amount to me. It was a total different dynamic to get there and, and how to do it. It was a really good team all year, but we had some emergence of some youthful players that came on the stage, from Dustin to Ellsbury late to Pap. We had pieces that just worked with some veterans mixed in between. It was collectively development at the same time when we continued to win. His legacy, two World Series, catching four different no-hitters, the only major league catcher to do so. If I ask you your favorite, is it like asking which of your children is your favorite? <laughs> right, you better not answer that. <laughs> Be a part of four. And they're also abstractly different. Pedro gets shelled game one against Baltimore, and all of a sudden, here comes Hideo. He's got four more miles an hour on the, uh, on the fastball, and he's dominant with the great split. Derek throws one. Bounced right to Sanchez. On the first, a no-hitter for Derek Lowe. And that was really fun for me because of my history with Derek. And Clay was, was phenomenal. He struck him out. Clay Buckholz has thrown a no-hitter in Boston tonight. And it was a big day for, for Clay. Johnny Lester. It's the pitch. Swing and a miss. No-hitter. He went from finessing a ball to powering right through him. But it was such a fortunate part for a catcher to be a part of one. You know, it's his time, his moment, and uh, I'm, just, I'm just fortunate enough to be, to be a part of it, but it's still his moment. We've known this day was coming, uh, but still kind of a bittersweet moment as you look back at a man who meant so much to this team and franchise. 2012 here, you announced your retirement. I'm here to officially announce that I'm retiring as a player. A tough day? Very tough day. You've always kept your emotion in check. Is that, is that as challenging a moment to keep your emotion in check as anything? I think when I had to prepare something to say, uh, you hit the emotions of your whole life. This has probably been the most difficult decision I've had to make in my, in my career. What people have meant to you, 
who's been a part of it. The hardest thing to do is to walk away from your teammates and what they've meant to you over the years. You know, you're just thankful. Many people think of my dad as a baseball legend, but we think of him as a legendary dad. You miss so much when you do what you did. Um, have you had that opportunity? Have you gotten to treasure the time you've had with your family? Of course, my family's still growing, so I've had the opportunity to do that. They're growing, and I'll never get to spend the amount of time that I want to full-time, but um, I'm very fortunate. I have a very loving family. It's just a joy to be a part of their life. Are you the dad who's down on his hands and knees, face paint, you know, playing out a Disney character? I mean, I'm a dad of four girls, so I'm, I've, I'm stuck in that realm uh, pretty often. Uh, I, I don't know any different. And yeah, I've had to come to the field many a times with my toes painted and forgot to take it off. And I uh, realized when you're in the shower with a bunch of guys that, uh-oh, we have to remove this. But it's part of, part of life. I don't, I don't really know any different than, than little ladies. I'm not a player anymore, so if I can pass on things or help someone or be a helpful hand, another sounding board, then that's what I'll be. After retirement, Veritek stayed on with the team as a special assistant to the general manager. And this season, in the most unprecedented circumstances, he is still making everyone around him better. I know it's probably never the same as playing. You probably never recaptured that. But what is it about the mentoring, the teaching, the working with younger guys that still gets you juices? It's a total different. My knees don't hurt doing it. Like, it's a totally different realm, but it's... It's a support system. You know, it's like having your own, your own children. You know, they're young men, they're young adults, but I have kids and it's like, you know, you want them to do well, but you can't do anything besides, you know, put them in positions to allow them to be successful. Seems like since you retired, people have been talking about you becoming a manager. Do you want to be a manager? When will the time be right for you to be? You know, take us into your side of all that. Do you someday see yourself managing? Absolutely. I'm fortunate that I'm in, so involved and can continue to learn and continue to grow uh, on that aspect as a coach and, and somebody that's, that's here to help out players. And I've been very, very fortunate to be able to do that. My story is part of the Nesson Podcast Network. The home for New England sports.